everybody. This is Chris. And Kathy. We wanted to take a minute to thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate every listener and are grateful for this platform. Please help us share our vision by subscribing to our show through your favorite streaming app. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Petability Podcast. Check out our ever-growing list of affiliates and sponsors. Simply go to the show notes for information and links. And be sure to use our promo code PETPOD22, that's P-E-T-P-O-D-2-2, on checkout to receive your discount from our affiliates. And now, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Alon Landa, CEO of MedcoVet, and I'm a proud sponsor of PetAbility. We decided to partner with Chris and Kathy because, like them, we want to empower all pet owners who are trying to do the most for their pets. At MedcoVet, we specialize in advanced home laser therapy for pets. Laser therapy is a safe and effective treatment for common conditions like arthritis and wounds, and it relieves pain for most conditions caused by inflammation. With MedcoVet, pet owners can perform this treatment at home while receiving support from experienced clinicians. If you think your pet would benefit from healing at home, visit MedcoVet.com, and one of our clinical experts will work with you to determine if home laser therapy is the right fit for you and your pet. Tell them PetAbility sent you. Welcome to PetAbility. I'm your host, Kathy Simons. And I'm your host, Chris Cranston. Our podcast provides interviews and information to help your pets live their best lives. Good afternoon, Chris. How are you? Kathy, I'm doing very, very well. Me too. Me too. Hi, how's your doggos? I haven't asked about them in a while. How are they doing? They're good. Um, yeah. Status quo. We've changed mm-hmm. food and they mm-hmm. love it. So mm-hmm. that's a, that's refreshing because that's they, nice. they've not always been fans of, of eating, ironically. So so weird because I have a pug and he's a big fan of eating. <laughs> and um, let me tell you something real quick. My dog started nose work classes a couple of weeks ago. I've been dying to tell you about this. Awesome. He's so good at it. He's so good at it. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't be embarrassed when I get there with my little, you know, chubby pug in the nose work class, but I'm up against two other German shepherds and a Brittany who are brilliant, of course. Right. Um, and there I am, you know, with my pug <laughs> to do nose work. Right. Um, and I mean, I think when you hey, get wait, a, uh, yes. does a pug even have a nose? It's small <laughs> and I'm sure it's a factor in this hunting game, but um, and, and, you know, when you, when you when you get a pug, if you're a pug person, you, you sign up for a, some degree of humiliation. Right. It's just just the way it is because they're silly and they're funny. And blah, blah. He's so good at it. He really has drive. And um, his teacher used him as a demo. No. And, no, get and, out. And a, and a demo to show somebody what to do, not a demo to show somebody what like not to do. Like, this is the <laughs> first time my pug has been a demo for good behavior. So I'm super excited about it. I hope that maybe you and I can have a, a whole uh, maybe a whole uh, conversation about that on, on air about nose work and the importance of it and how great it is and, um, and how much fun it is for, for all dogs. It's so important for all dogs yeah. and, and fun and because that is their number one sense yeah. out, yeah, yeah, yeah. out of the five using that, that schnoz. So, and so much fun. Kathy, haven't you um, recommended nose work for a lot of our dogs that maybe have had some 
orthopedic or neurological issues. You know, they can't do agility. They can't do lower coursing. They can't do, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Maybe just, you know, some of the things that they've done in the past. Geriatric dogs and, you know, aren't moving as fast. And Blind dogs. Ah, <laughs> there you go. There's your jam. You know, I, yeah, I think, you know, let's let's put that in our little, let's put a pin in that for another show because I'd love to talk about that to you, with you. But Sounds today, great. today I have a fantastic topic for us because, This is one of the top questions I get from owners Mm -hmm. about the use of heat and ice with their pet. How to use it, where to put it. Do I do one versus the other? Do I alternate it back and forth? Um, And I have to say that sometimes it might even be like, sometimes for me, it might be like, "Hmm, do I use ice or heat here? So I understand their dilemma. You know, Mm -hmm. do I use heat or ice with this particular injury or post-op surgery or for osteoarthritis. So I think this is going to be a good topic to kind of clear up for owners. So what, what are these modalities and how do we use them? Right. Yeah, de- definitely. I get that question a lot and, and it is a bit nebulous and I agree. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we'll try to give guidelines today in the show, but um, you know, sometimes it's, it's using your gut too and watching your animals reaction. So we can talk about that right. some as well. So if anyone out there has uh, had physical therapy for themselves, they're probably familiar with the use of, of moist heat um, and ice for, for certain particular kid conditions. Um, I'm sure that's, that you've done that a lot as well, Chris, with humans. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> One of the basic things and something that's very easy for, for people to apply to themselves and thus should be easy for people to apply to their pets. Um, you know, the use of thermal modalities um, as a technical name is, is ancient, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, people discovered that these things help them feel better, you know, right. for thousands of years, you know, kind of thing. And um, so, yeah, very basic, but very, very effective. And I think really, in addition to massage, you know, the, the natural tendency to touch. So that's another topic that we need to explore with our audience is, you know, how to do some basic massage techniques and so forth. So, yeah, I think of, of thermal modalities and massage as, as very, again, important, effective things that we can do with ourselves and with our pets to feel better. And I think it's something that we can all relate to, right? That the way that warmth feels on our body, if you've ever slipped into, into like a nice warm bath or a hot tub, right? It feels good on the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, putting, you know, that, uh, that heating pad, um, you know, on that, that muscle that's cramping, mm-hmm. you know, um, we're all, sitting at the zoom these days so often. And I think that, you know, p- people doing computer work and such often get uh, soreness in their neck and shoulders and so forth. And so kind of craving that heat. Yeah. Yeah. Hi Mac. A bird just like flew by the window. So he's just like, flew by the window. Um, so can you tell the audience like, what's, what's happening when we apply heat to the body? What happens to us? Why are we responding that way? Why does it feel so good? And what's happening? So, you know, again, as we kind of alluded to, even, you know, being out in the sun and, and, you know, having warmth and so forth, there's a lot of physiological things that happen that make um, the body respond in a positive way. So one of the things is vasodilation. So the, the blood vessels, the capillaries in particular, open more, they dilate, and that leads to more blood flow. And we know with increased blood flow that 
again, it's awesome because we are not only bringing nutrients and products that our body creates for healing into that area, but we are flushing some waste products out of that area, waste products that get trapped with inflammation, with injury, and those waste products actually perpetuate pain and so forth. So if we can, you know, not only bring in the good, but flush out the bad, it's a, it's a win-win. You know what we use it for, but I think that um, it's such a simple thing, but um, to, to combat stiffness in dogs with osteoarthritis. And um, I, I will prescribe it for just about all my patients who um, have some type of osteoarthritic joint to just try to incorporate the use of moist heat, which we're going to talk about moist versus the dry heat in a minute um, to those joints to combat stiffness. It's such a simple thing. And it's one of the best ways to, 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 to fight stiffness. Yes. <laughs> and, and to your point, definitely joint stiffness, but also just tightness in, in muscles mm. and soft tissues. So right. soft tissues being, again, your muscles, your tendons, your ligaments, all that other stuff that isn't cartilage or bone. So, you know, again, when you feel like a knot and it's a nagging knot and it's been there and it won't go away, sometimes applying heat can really be effective in getting that to dissolve, if you will, to kind of yeah. melt under under the heat. So yeah, any kind of tightness, stiffness. And the other point I want to make is usually heat is for something that it's more chronic. And so what does chronic mean? Well, definitely after the first 48 to 72 hours from an injury, I generally say. So uh, if, if something is acute, conversely, you know, it just happened, you roll your ankle over. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, what's the first thing that, that, comes to your mind probably not heat it's probably well, ice, first I right? first I let loose with a profanities well, that, but then that. and but then, we reach yeah. down and we rub it you know the you rub it yeah yep. yep. and then I, I you know I would go okay I gotta I gotta elevate and ice I would yeah yeah yep. so when something is acute we think of, of ice and we're going to talk about that in a bit but after that initial insult and things kind of calm down then we'll switch to heat or something that's been, like I said, nagging, gnawing. So osteoarthritis mm-hmm. does not happen overnight. You know, this yeah. has been something that's been a wear and tear process in the joints for months, years. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the heat feels good oftentimes on that chronic pain and stiffness. Sometimes I use it as part of um, uh, a little bit for some of my geriatric patients, just part of their warm up routine, mm-hmm. even if they can get up, you know, when they, before their animals get up in the morning, get that hot pack on that, or that stiff joint, get that hot pack on those um, muscles that are, that are tight. That tighten up. Yeah. So can we talk a little bit about um, the fact that we use moist heat versus dry heat? Because, you know, when I talk to clients, they go, Oh, you know, no problem. I have, um, I have an electric, you know, uh, what do you call those things? A heating pad. Thank you. And I always say no, because I even think the low setting on those electric heating pads are, are a little warm. Um, I worry about some of my patients that don't have great mobility too, about the ability to move off or away from those right. Um, right. heating pads. But the fact that moist heat, what's the, what's the benefit of using the moist heat versus the dry heat? Well, it's more deeply penetrating. <clears throat> you know, the uh, dry heat is very, very superficial. 
And the moist heat is what we generally consider a more therapeutic heat. So we're trying to, you know, get that heat down to into those joints and muscles and a little bit deeper. And that's more effective. Uh And to your point with the the heating pad, you know, I think there's just a lot of of potential dangers there. You know, you you have electricity involved Uh because you're plugging it in. Uh Uh, Like you said, potential burning and especially with geriatric animals, um, they're their ability to feel and sense when it's too hot even can be um, diminished. And so they could get a burn without even realizing it. Mm-hmm. And especially if they can't, you know, effectively move off of it, if they have a neurological condition or are just too weak. Um, but but the other thing is, you know, you have a cord. And so, you know, let's say you were, you know, using it with your cat or something, you know, they could it could get wrapped around their neck and, you know, they got to jump down and yeah, yeah, or they could bite it and get electrocuted. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so, so they're, you know, I, I just, yeah, stay away from, from the electric, even though a lot of those now, if you look, um, they come with a pad that you wet or moisten Mm -hmm. and slip inside there because we know that moist heat is, is better. It's better. And it's more comfortable too, I think. Oh, I think so too. Um, and then, you know, and, and there are lots of great products on the market for those moist hot packs. You can get them just about anywhere. You could probably even make one. I'll talk a little bit about that, but um, I like the thermal aid pack um, because it's got segments, right? So all the stuff doesn't run to one end or the other when you're using it. Right. I can also put it in the freezer for later. If I want to use it later for ice, I can put it in the freezer. Yes. Um, but um, I like that. And I also like the weight of it. I think the weight of it feels it feels kind of good to to put that hot pack on somebody's hip and just have a little bit of weight to it. Right. Um, the, so the, I'm a fan of the thermal aid pack. The diffuse weight um, will also be calming, right? So right. yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So we know like the weighted blankets and things now that are you know helpful for you know even people sleeping at night and 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 better, more effectively, mm-hmm. longer. Um, so that same sort of principle. But, you know, a lot of times people, Kathy, will tell me, you know, well, I, I put the heat pack on them and it's maybe a microwavable type, which is mm-hmm. what the thermal aid is. Yeah. It has a corn product and it doesn't mold, doesn't stink. Um, but they're like, but my, my dog just, you know, wiggles and, and just moves a little bit and, and, you know, and then it's off of them. And I'm like, well, I don't, want them. You, yeah, I don't want you leaving them unattended. <laughs> so, you know, that's what a lot of these things, I mean, to me and to you, that seems pretty logical, but I think a lot of people just expect that, you know, it's yeah. a passive treatment that they're going to put it on their dog's uh-huh. hip or back and they're able to walk away. But yeah. that's not true. You do have to. to yeah, to them. you need to, you definitely need to supervise this activity. This, this, uh, this, uh, whole thing because uh there's lots of things can happen the dog can get up and move and moving around or bite it who knows what the, but you should be supervised um the other thing is you know chris and i always talk about buy-in um you're going to get a whole lot more buy-in on your dog sitting with that hot pack there if you're sitting there with them and talking to them or giving them like a kong with peanut butter in it or you know or just sort of like chilling together you're going to get a whole lot more buy-in so even if it feels good to the dog it would be even better if we had moist hot pack and mom or dad mm-hmm. <laughs> sit with us um, because it's a special time. Right. And it's also, also not three minutes. I mean, we're yeah. talking ideally like 20 minutes, right? We, ideally, we want to go like 15, 20 minutes, right? Maybe some of the smaller parts of the body, like the wrist, maybe I wouldn't go quite 20 minutes because it's such a small 
area, but yeah, probably 15, 20 minutes. That's a long time for a dog to sit still, especially if something else is going on. Um, Like a bird flies by the window, (laughs) right? Exactly. Um, So yeah, yeah, again, I think you're going to get better buy-in if you're, if you're sit with your dog and I think it's safer for you to supervise, of course. Yeah. And I think like we've always said in a calm environment, you know, it's, you know, maybe you're watching your favorite television show and you're, you know, stroking their head and they're mm-hmm. eating their Kong peanut butter and they have their hot pack on. Well, you're so. watching Judge Judy and you know, everybody. <laughs> so, yeah. And the other thing I tell people is I always take that hot pack and I wrap it in like a light dish towel. So it doesn't make like direct contact with the skin. This is a little bit of buffer. And then I have you put it on your, your arm. Can you tolerate that heat for 20 or 30 seconds on your arm? If you can tolerate that heat on your arm for 20 to 30 seconds, we can then put it on our pet safely. Nice. And start, you talk about buy and start with less is more. Mm. So in a lot of different avenues. So on the microwavable types of which the thermal aid is one, but you can, you, you mentioned this earlier, some people put, you know, like rice or beans or something like that, that they get at their local store and they, they'll put it in a soft cloth and, and wrap it up. We always want these things to be soft and malleable, you know, right. so that, that they can really conform to the body part, to the pet's body. And, um, you know, I talked about time, ideally, yeah, 15, 20 minutes, but you may start with just three to five minutes. And if that goes well, yeah. yeah, and if that goes well, and again, stop before they fuss, you know, make it yeah. a positive thing. Don't wait till they fuss and take it off, mm-hmm. you know. And big party, you know, when you're done, good job, you know, but the other thing in terms with the the actual temperature is I do the same thing, kind of the baby bottle test, right? I'll put it on, on the inside of my, my forearm, very sensitive area to temperature and uh, leave it there because you're not going to know instantly. Mm -hmm. And, but I want it to be just a very subtle, comfortable warmth. I mean, we know, right? We're putting Mm -hmm. a hot pack on our arms. So we're understanding what is happening. The dog doesn't, you know, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden this thing is heating up and it'll get hotter over time Mm -hmm. with that weight of the hot pack on them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that might be unsettling to them. So again, Mm -hmm. starting with a lower temperature and then you can gradually, you know, make it a little bit Mm -hmm. uh, higher depending on their tolerance. But you know, with the, the microwavable types, once you heat them up, the whole design is such they don't cool down quickly, right? You want a material in there that's going to hold that heat. So then you're kind of, you know, in a bad spot, uh, because you have to then wait, uh, for it to cool down. So I'll tell people, cause the strength of your microwave, the wattage Mm -hmm. makes a difference. Mm -hmm. So maybe just put it in there for like a minute, smush it around, get it like all evenly distributed, put it on your arm and you're like, oh, that's not even lukewarm yet. Okay. Put it in another 30 seconds. Oh yeah, that feels comfortable, but I think we can still go a little bit warmer. Another 30 seconds. So you're gradually bringing up that heat and then like, oh yeah, that's a, just a very gentle, comfortable warmth. We'll start yeah. there. Yeah. And the, the pack is uh, the fact that it gets warm and, and sort of it keeps getting warmer is one of the reasons I tell people use these moist hot packs versus your steamed towels or your, you know, or wetting your towels because you you just, first of all, if you have a Newfoundland, you're probably only going to be warming up the surface of his fur, you yep. know, cause you're not getting those tissues, but also that he doesn't last long. It, it no. really doesn't last very long at all. Um, and you'll be, you'll, in the time frame that you need to treat the dog, the heat will have already dissipated. Totally. You, you will not get an effective treatment. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like when I've tried that, they go from super hot 
you know, right. like I'm taking it out of the microwave, you know, and You're it's like, oh, super oh, oh, oh. hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, and then I mean, within a few minutes, it's like already it's cooled, cooled down. down and yeah. So yeah. not, not great. Okay. So we're, we're pro thermal aid pack and we're, we're, um, we're nay on the steam towels, <laughs> nay on the steam towels, nay on the, on the uh, heating pads, mm-hmm. but you know, like using a uh, hot water bottle. Um, oh yeah. 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 That's yeah, a good idea. Could be effective. Mm-hmm. And you know, you said like using the, the thin tea towel or something like that between, mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's great for like keeping, if it's reusable, you know, keeping mm-hmm. it clean and such, but if your dog is really thick coated, Oftentimes I'll just tell people you they just, can put just put it, put it directly, yeah. but yeah, if they're, you know, thin coated and you want, you know, kind of that buffer, as you said, to gradually, you know, come through, um, to their skin. Um, but there are all kinds of like herbal packs and, and mm-hmm. so forth. And a lot of times when I mention it to people, they're like, oh yeah, I have one, you know, that I got for myself, I have one for my neck. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like you said, Kathy, a lot of those are one big mass of stuff in them. And so gravity will, you know, kind of shift that around. So the compartmentalization is great, but they are malleable. They are microwavable. Um, so, you know, that's, that's doable. Definitely. Yeah. And then you could put it in, if you want to use it later for ice, you, you know, for an ice treatment, you could put that thermally pack in the, in the freezer. So um, we talked we'll put about that link. We'll put that link. We'll put show. that link up. Yeah, I like that product. Um, so we talked about what heat was good for, but do you have any thoughts about where heat might be contraindicated? Um, you know, because it, it seems like we're saying, oh, it seems. I think when you think about heat, that it seems like it's sort of a benign thing, um, and maybe it is a little bit of a. You know, maybe it is benign, but really, you should have some indication that you should use it for this condition, but not another condition. I, as I said before, I think of something as super acute, you know, mm-hmm. so you've had an injury surgery, yeah. surgery is very traumatic. Um, you don't want to put heat on right away. Think about it. If that tissue is inflamed, one of the factors of inflammation is heat. The heat. body is producing <laughs> heat. So you don't want to add more heat to something that's already on fire. It start throbbing. It would just yes. be like, boom, boom, boom. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's review again, inflammation, because I think this is yeah. what we're really um, addressing here. So with inflammation, you have heat, pain, swelling. So that is your throbbing, you know, as the blood flow yeah. increases and, and you have swelling and nowhere for, for those fluids to go. You have loss of function. So it might be, again, that stiffness, uh, you know, limping, not using that limb. And I always forget the fifth one. What's the fifth one, Kathy? Redness. Yes. That's what you mean. Redness. Redness. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That fifth fifth. one always redness. But again, like if you, if you're looking, it's hard because dogs have fur or hair. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, if you're looking at, you know, something that you just injured, a lot Mm -hmm. of times it is red or pink and the bruising hasn't set in yet. It's not Mm -hmm. that it's, you know, that again, that blood flow. So if you see that it's red or pink um, from an injury, from an acute Mm -hmm. something, you know, then you don't want to, you definitely don't want to add heat. And Mm -hmm. I'd say another thing would be like over a known tumor. Yeah, yeah, you know? I probably wouldn't put it over some type of, uh, you know, neoplasia. Yeah, I would, yeah. I would be cautious about bringing blood flow to that area. Right. Um, right. So, I mean, it's always best to check with your rehab or your vet first. But, um, but I think those are the two things I would stay away from uh, in an area of acute uh, inflammation, redness, swelling, um, and and cancer. 
I must say that I kind of have a pet peeve in the with the veterinary community Uh-oh. in that <laughs> don't come at me, Chris. Don't, no enemies don't out there. No, but oftentimes when I'm seeing a, a pet post surgically, yeah. they'll say, um, you know, my my vet told me to, you know, put ice on, you know, for twenty four hours and then uh-huh. switch to heat. Yeah. And, you know, again, when you're talking about like a TPLO surgery or mm-hmm. of the knee um, or an FHO of the hip, there's just, a, it's going to take a while for that. Yeah. Inflammation. It's, like a three, it's like 72 to, hours. To diminish. Yeah. yeah. And maybe even indefinitely, because what yeah. would happen with the people that I'd work with, you know, on the yeah. human side as a PT yeah. is that as they got better, they started doing more. So they yeah. were constantly kind of pushing that envelope and, and perpetuating the inflammation. Right. So, you know, we talked about warmth. If you take the back of your hand and rub it over the part and it feels warmer, you know, Mm -hmm. like that hip versus like if you move it up on their back or down on their thigh, probably wouldn't want to add heat. It's not ready for heat. It's not ready for heat. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, keep with with the icing. Okay. All right. Well, that's a good segue for the ice, Chris. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so um, we talked about using heat during that 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 subchronic or chronic phase, and what we want to talk about with ice or cryotherapy is during that acute phase, right? So <clears throat> um, if you've ever had that, like we said, that sprained ankle, right? Um, you, you're probably heard the term uh, rice, rest, ice, compression, and elevation, um, and that's probably from the humans. We love to put things together that spell stuff. And um, don't we? Don't we love our acronyms? We yes. do. We do. Um, and, and it's sometimes it's difficult to to get dogs to for compression or an elevation. Sometimes you can, but ice for sure, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's what's going to uh, lower the temperatures um, in that body, um, and it's going to cause that 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 vasoconstriction, right? So we're, we're getting rid of that swelling and inflammation um, and even muscle spasms that might happen there, too. We're going to we're going to reduce those as well. Ice is or the use of ice is is um, it impairs that sensory input. Right. So it, it's resulting in a pain reduction for interrupting that that pain cycle or interrupting the, the sensory of pain. So I mentioned that ice, you know, helps to control inflammation. Um, and I think that w- we talked about this before. So I want to be clear that, you know, inflammation does have its place, but we want to control. We don't want chronic information, inflammation to set in. So we are going to get inflammation when you when you fall and twist your ankle. We want to control that. You know, we right. don't want to get out of control with the inflammation. So it's the body's natural response to an injury is inflammation. So when the injury occur, occurs, the body, you know, releases white blood cells and and they all rush to the area, right? They're trying to help clean it up and, you know, do their job and get rid of waste and everything. Um, but then we want that to calm down. We want that inflammation to calm down. And ice is going to be the guy that breaks it. Yes. And there are several ways we can administer the, you know, the ice packs. We talked about the thermal aid pack, right? The thermal aid pack is perfect. Use that. You know, you can put it in the microwave in the morning for some heat and then throw it in the freezer later for later for, for ice. And again, you get that nice weight from the thermal aid pack. Um, you can use some commercial ice packs too. Some people like to use frozen vegetables and peas. I have no objection to that as long as, again, you're sort of wrapping that, you know, in a little like tea towel so it doesn't get direct contact with the skin. Um, and again, we want to be cautious with some of our patients who are geriatric and can't move away from these ice packs and maybe have some decreased sensation, but um, ice packs are fine too. You know, I like the ones that are like moldable, not the solid ones. I like the like, ones that are like, like yeah. a gel. Yeah. Gel you, can, you can conform to the, yep. to the area. And you know, in the years that, that I've been doing this, certainly there is 
a lot more availability, like even in your local pharmacy, you know, in terms of size and type and, you know, my, like, again, back in the day when I was a kid, you only had the hot water bottle and then the heating That's pad. But yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and one thing I, I love the frozen vegetables. It, it's it cheap Conforms. and easy and, Conforms. and, yeah. And sometimes when you're, you know, not expecting it, that's what you have on hand. Right. So always, always know that. But uh, if you use it over and over again, it, it melts and then it freezes and it melts and mm-hmm. freezes into a solid block of vegetables. So right. then it becomes non-conforming and where the, then you eat it, then you eat them and then you get another one. <laughs> I hope not. You need to mark right <laughs> with a permanent Sharpie. Do not. This is not for edible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So, you know, that, just think about having a hunk of, of yeah. ice. Or well, you, you know, we can, you can make your own, um, you can make your own ice pack. Did you know that you can make it by just mixing? Um, I believe it's mixing two cups of water with half a cup, half a cup of rubbing alcohol. And what I do is I'll put it in a little Ziploc bag and then I'll put that Ziploc bag inside another one, just in case it breaks, you know, mm-hmm. and then put that in the freezer because it won't freeze solid. And it gives you a little bit of, you know, you will get a little bit of conformity, you know, that it's like a gel pack. Right. Um, I, I can make several of those. And the other thing I do is I'll put ice in little Dixie cups so that if I want to do a little ice massage, so I'm doing one small area, um, I'll get the Dixie cup, fill it with water, freeze it, and then peel some of it back and use part of that uh, cup as a handle. And then I can use it as an ice massage uh, for small areas like the biceps tendon or the carpus where you can roll it over the, the area rather than placing it. Um, so that gives us a nice um, option for smaller areas of the body. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, we use the ice massage a lot in, on the human side too. Again, for those discrete tendonitis, ligament issues. Um, and I think with, with that, you know, so again, you're holding on to the bottom of the cup, you've peeled down where you drink. Mm-hmm. So that exposes the, the ice. So it makes it comfortable for you as the, the person applying yeah. the ice too. But um, that's a much shorter period of time because you're yeah. directly putting that block like of five ice. minutes. Yeah. Right. And so I would always tell my patients, tell me when it gets numb, <laughs> you know, but your yeah. dog can't. So you do have yeah. to watch the clock and you keep it moving. You keep it moving, moving, but it does yeah. seem like forever sometimes, but yeah, like yeah. five to seven minutes, depending on the size of the area that you're treating. Sometimes when you first take that out of the freezer, if you put it right on the dog's fur, it will stick. I'm yeah. sure you're familiar yeah. with that phenomenon, yeah. right? So I always tell people too to take their hand and rub it over the ice to kind of mm-hmm. start the melting process mm-hmm. and then put it on their dog's fur so it, you don't get that that sticking. And have yeah. a towel handy because it will drip. You it know, will melt. It melts. Yeah. And um, for the hot for the um, ice packs themselves, you know, we're doing these mas- ice massages for like five minutes, but for a larger area, I'm probably doing at least fifteen. Uh, 20 minutes. So if you had a hip or a knee and elbow, I'd probably go, you know, 15, 20 minutes as long as it didn't, you know, melt too much. But um, for larger yeah, I areas, usually, I would go longer time. It kind of depends on, again, how, how cold it is, you know, where, you know, again, if they're shaved after surgery, it may not take as long to get through to the tissue. So mm-hmm. you can take off some time. So I might say, you know, 10 to 15 minutes if it's a smaller body part and, um, and then, you know, if it's going through fur on a hip or something like that, then, you know, maybe up to 15, 20 minutes. But I generally mm-hmm. do my heat a little bit longer than, than mm-hmm. the ice. But again, you're always watching your dog's tolerance. Now, talking about post-surgically and using something like uh, the, the frozen peas, for example, yep. they will sweat. And so 
to your point, having that towel in between mm. because you don't want to get the incision wet. Yeah. Um, you know, that can cause it to kind of open up on a, on a very subtle level, but you know, mm-hmm. then that's a conduit for bacteria and, and right. things like that. And uh, so, you know, one of the, the cares for incision, you know, incision care 101 don't is get it keep, it, keep it clean and dry, clean and dry. Yeah. yeah and, and, I mean, again, I, I, I know I already said this, but um, it's so important about the controlling of the inflammation because when that inflammation is, is left unchecked or gets out of control, it's just it, it becomes this contributing factor in pain um, and, and osteoarthritis. Um, so it's important to get that inflammation uh, under control. And the other time I will use it, by the way, is um, is if my patients are doing therapy and, and they're sore after, because sometimes, you know, you go to the physical therapist, as I'm sure people have complained to you, Chris, yeah. that after they had physical therapy, that they're sore. Um, and so sometimes I end the session with a little bit of ice, depending on uh, what, what we're working and, and what, what's going on with the patient. Um, and sometimes I'll tell people too at home, if you've gone out and you've done your exercises with your dog and they're sore, and you know that they're sore historically yes. in their hip or their elbow or their shoulder, get that ice back out and, and put that ice on there when you get home. Exactly. And, and I kind of call, you know, that's almost like an acute on chronic. Like I think about those dogs that, you know, maybe eight, 12 weeks after knee surgery, mm-hmm. but you just went out and, you know, walk for an hour, which yeah. is great exercise. And the rest of their body may not hurt, but that knee is still going to be their bane. So, you know, putting, putting an ice pack on, on that knee, you know, after that exercise is, is definitely a good thing. And I think anytime you get to the subacute and certainly chronic phase, you can use ice or heat depending on what feels best. So that's why I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, use your gut and what, and you know, what your dog tells you. So, I mean, how many times have we heard, you know, maybe again, that Newfoundland doesn't really tolerate that hot pack so well because they run hot. Hot. Yes. Hot. they're used to swimming amongst the icebergs <laughs> up in uh, Labrador, you know? Um, so, uh, but then you might have, you know, uh, you know, little, I don't know, chihuahua or something. They're always trembling. They're always cold. I'm always cold. And I'm always yeah, cold. They have the sweaters on. And so, cold. Yeah. They, they may, you know, want more of the mm-hmm. warm pack and not tolerate, you know, mm-hmm. the ice at all. So as long as, you know, it's not an acute inflammation, I think you can go, you know, either way. You can alternate. And if they're not tolerating the ice, just skip it, you know, mm-hmm. um, if, Obviously, it's yeah. And, and what we talked about, you know, for those acute injuries, really in that 24 to 72 hour time frame. And then after that, we can sort of make the judgment about um, what feels best to the, to the dog mm-hmm. or listening to your dog, because we're always talking about listening to your dog. Well, listen to your dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your chihuahua might want a hot pack all the time right. <laughs> just because it's small, well, you know, yeah. but um, and we've talked about this, too, like with the cats, you know, we said like no heating pads, but there are specific yeah warming pads mm-hmm. that are yeah. plugged in that you, you you put in your cat's bed, you know, like underneath yeah. the cushion or whatever, because cats generally crave warmth, you know, that's yeah. why they're sitting in the, the window in the sun mm-hmm. and, yeah. and that sort of thing. So um, what about contraindication? So we talked about using ice for inflammation. We talked about using ice for post uh, exercise soreness. Um, when wouldn't we want to use uh, an ice pack? And I, I can't really think of very many things, but I have a few uh, things I would think of. I would think, you know, in, in an area of, of decreased sensation for my patient, I might, I might not, mm-hmm. I, I might not uh, do that or, or compromise circulation, certainly uh, probably yes. open, open wounds, maybe. Correct. Um, uh, but usually, but, but, you know, I can't think of very many circumstances where I probably wouldn't use 
ice. Um, if I didn't, again, it would probably be because, you know, it's a little chihuahua and she just doesn't, she can't sit for 10 minutes with ice. Um, so I have to patient dependent, you know, but, but those are the things I would think of. We mentioned the previous frostbite, but well, right. <laughs> yeah. And the neoplasia before and the, and the known uh, tumor, you know, one thing that happens with using ice is yes, you get an initial vasoconstriction. Mm-hmm. So those capillaries shrink it turns yeah. a lighter color. We talked about pink with the, the heat. Yeah. This will turn maybe white, right? Mm-hmm. As, as the blood is diminished. But then when that tissue, quote, unthaws, you'll get a rapid influx of blood flow. So we just don't want to do anything in an area of cancer that could potentially cause, you know, to, to grow, to be fed, to spread, yeah. um, you know, so using caution, there yeah. as well. And, yeah. and like you mentioned earlier, always asking, you know, your rehabilitationist or your veterinarian, you know, if, if it's okay. 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 But um, generally, I think thermal modalities are very safe. I, I think so too. And um, it's something that owners can do so easily at home. Um, and uh, I, I find that it is, it's something that they have in their tool bag at home. You know what I mean? They're like, okay, uh, I can't get to the therapist today, but what do I have at home? I have uh, my hot pack. I have my frozen peas. Um, I know what to do. I can get started on this until I can talk to, you know, Kathy or Chris. So it's nice to have this sort of thing in your tool bag and know how to use it. Um, One thing I wanted to mention is, yes, Kathy and I love the feet and (laughs) toe, you know, nail, toe, foot injuries, are, are common, um, you know, our pets do get sore feet. And it may be a, a bit challenging, but I think one way, if there's an acute injury, and again, not an open wound for either heat or ice, but um, if you could like submerge that foot Ooh, in yeah. like an ice bath. I mean, again, we use yeah. that a lot in, yeah. in the human side of PT, especially for athletes. And I mean, mm-hmm. there are people that submerge themselves up to their neck. Oh, no, thank you. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I, <laughs> like, like the Patriots, you know, football team and things like that. No, not, not for me, but um, you know, again, it's very effective. So then, then it's, totally surrounding, you know, all those toes and, and those little crevices and things that may be hard to, to get that conformity because it's so tiny and minute and intricate. So, you know, if you can, um, you know, it's water with, you know, some ice cubes in it, um, Mm -hmm. you know, put it in a cup or a bowl and see if you can, you know, gently, you know, hold your dog's foot, foot there, uh, maybe outside, you don't want to tip it over or what have you. That's another thought too. Chris, all right, so I've got a fun little game for you called Heat or Ice. Mr. So um, this is just going to, we're just going to go over some some uh, examples, and then you tell me whether you might use heat or ice, okay? Okay. Okay, you're walking fluffy, and mm-hmm. um, every, it's a great day, but fluffy steps off the curb and twists her ankle. Heat or ice? Ice. Yay! <laughs> okay now you have one for one one for one okay so um okay so now you have uh snoopy mm-hmm. and uh snoopy has just come home from the hospital after having his knee repaired he's been out of surgery for 48 hours he came home in two days what are you gonna do he just came home from surgery you're at home at home what do we do heat or ice Mm, this one's tougher. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. hope that he was iced in the hospital, mm-hmm. but knee repairs again are a big deal, cause a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So 
I think I would stick with ice, especially if I see it swollen, it's red, and it feels warm to the touch. Yay! <laughs> okay, this one is a, this one's a doozy. Okay. Yep. Oh, so, and Snoopy probably wasn't using his leg all that great. No, no, not yet. No, yeah. No, Snoopy, and Snoopy and had it a was t- sore. Yeah, it he was had a TPLO, so there's yeah, a lot of yeah. swelling. Yeah. <laughs> so all of those things indicated that yeah, you got to stick with the ice. Okay. okay. So um, now you have um, your dog uh, Baxter. And Baxter's got, um, he's got some pretty significant osteoarthritis to that hip. You wake up that morning, it's kind of dreary, rainy, cold, and you're thinking about taking him for a walk. Would you ice him before his walk or would you use heat before his walk? Well, there are a lot of good clues there. I would use heat and I will tell you why. Please do. We need to warm him up. So heat, warm mm-hmm. up before exercise. Yeah. It's early in the day. Wakes up with some stiffness. Stiffness, heat is is uh, helps to allay that stiffness and makes the tissues more elastic, more extensible. So he's going to walk more comfortably. You also mentioned the weather. And with changes in barometric pressure and things getting damper and cooler, that exacerbates that arthritis, and so we want to address the, that chronic soreness, stiffness with heat. All right, three for three. Okay, last question, Chris, and this one could be a little bit tricky. Okay, so I All want right. you to put your thinking cap on, okay? Okay, so now we have um, Susie. She's an old dog. And she has um, back pain. She has lower back pain. And so her physical therapist has told her to put uh, moist heat on her back. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she normally does that, you know, routinely. Mm-hmm. But on this particular day, um, little Susie got her heat pack, went outside, tripped and fell. And now her back hurts. Mm. Heat or ice. Well, you said the physical therapist said to, use heat and, uh-huh. it's, and it's a chronic condition. Uh-huh. So I guess I'd stick with heat. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> well, you are right. Um, I mean, in, in some 50, 50, because um, you would do your heat in the morning, just like you said, because a physical therapist says, you know, um, this is the best thing for her to have in the morning before she goes out for her walks and so forth and exercises. But she also fell. So in that time frame that she fell, maybe in that first 24 hours, you might want to switch to ice. You, you would check with your therapist, but you would probably switch to ice maybe in the first 24 to 36 hours. And then we could, you know, alternatively, we could go back to heat after that. So tricky, tricky. So you can see it was, why it, it was it was tricky, but I thought. I didn't just want to hear the buzzer. Well, I didn't want the audience to think to think that I I'm just a know-it-all. So I, I actually threw that question. Oh, geez, you know. Chris. Um, you can but, see it's a good example about how it might be tricky for owners at home to determine whether absolutely. they're you know whether they're they should use the heat or the ice. So. Right. Uh, yeah, that's a good, a good example, example. Was a good of, example so. of yeah, acute <laughs> acute on chronic. But I mean, also like, how do you know that that she actually hurt her back more? You know. Well, typically they will hurt the areas that are already kind of weak. weakened. Yeah. 
Exactly. But again, you could, you know, feel it. Is it sore to the touch? Is it feel, you know, warmer there as you slide your hand down their spine, you know, things like that. So, um, so why don't we circle back around and just do a little bit of summary about the heat and the ice for our audience so that, um, you know, we can sort of conclude how do we use it? Where do we use it? And how long do we use it? So what do you got heat miser? All right. Heat miser says you're going to use warmth in various capacities when things are more chronic, so at least greater than 72 hours or kind of an insidious onset of, of, a, of a condition such as arthritis. It's great for things that are stiff or tight, so stiff, achy joints, tight muscles, uh, anything that you want to loosen up, you're also going to generally use your heat as a warm-up early in the day, before exercise, etc., to make it more comfortable, get that blood flowing, get things loose. Mm-hmm. And alternatively, or conversely, is it alternatively or conversely? The other side of that is <laughs> it could be either. The other side of that is uh, the use of ice, and so we want to use ice in that um, acute inflammatory stage. So ice ice should come out when your dog has uh, an injury. So if you're walking your dog and they, you know, they fell off the curb or uh, if they twisted their, you know, ankle when they're running in their agility courses. So we want to control the inflammation. We don't want um, inflammation to go unchecked, right? Because that's going to be a contributing factor to pain. It's going to be a contributing factor to osteoarthritis. So we want to get that ice out during the acute stages of, of, of injury. Um, we can also use it for post-exercise soreness. So if you take little Susie out for a walk um, and she comes home and she's a little sore, then that may be the time to get the ice out. And if you know that Susie's hips are, are, are what bothers her, you know, mostly, then you can get the ice out on over those hips. So we're going to use that to control inflammation in that first 24 hour, some 24, depending on what's going on, 24 to 72. Some of those dogs, like Chris said, that have knee surgery, uh, they've got quite a bit of inflammation um, and we want to uh, control that inflammation with ice. So post-surgery as well. So that's all I got for heat and ice today, Chris. Thank you. I think that that clears up a lot of stuff for our listeners. It clears up a lot of stuff for owners. And like I said, using the heat as a warm-up, the way Mm -hmm. to think about ice is as a cool down. So those are Uh, terms that are familiar to to a lot of folks. Yeah. So again, you know, warming up the tissue with heat, cooling down the inflammation with cold. Nice. Perfect ending, Chris. All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much. um, And we will see you later. Bye. Next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed our show. Follow us on Facebook or on Instagram at Petability Podcast. For more information about Kathy's books and living with blind dogs, please go to EnableYourPet.com. Thank you and please tune in next time.